Hi, welcome back to Geek Speak Podcast. I'm Taylor, your Sailor Guardian and Everyday Video Editor. Hi, I'm Jalen, your local poli-sci grad and mobile Gundam pilot. And today we have a guest with us to talk about the nostalgic anime and the forgotten anime and anime cosplay and everything around that. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. All right. So, hi. Uh, my name's Kaylee, and in the cosplay community, I am known as Frost Elf Cosplay. I am a recent theater graduate of Texas A&M University. I would write a lot of research papers on anime, so. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. I minored in theater, so I understand. How long ago did we graduate? A while ago. Four years ago <laughs> or so. Something like that. But, so today we are talking about nostalgic anime. So, what is everyone's favorite anime they used to watch when they were younger, anime that they have cosplayed, and so on, just to get us started. Well, like my favorite, my favorite anime of all time um, came out in like 2003. It's um, Wolf's Reign. I haven't cosplayed from it yet. Um, I want to. I want to really, really, really badly. But uh, one of my friends wants to do like a group, and we all haven't decided yeah. like, who are we going to be? Um, and I'm kind of over here on the sidelines being like, I call blue. Because blue is my favorite. <laughs> yes, I can understand that. <laughs> um, but I guess like uh, my favorite show I used to watch growing up was definitely Sailor Moon. I grew up yes. with the old 90s uh, dubs. <laughs> <laughs> so I would watch that like sometimes every Saturday morning before doing whatever I needed to do for the day. It would, it would be on and I would watch it and then be like, that was a good episode. Time to go do my homework. <laughs> I feel you. That that was me too. I was watching Sailor Moon. I was surprisingly also extremely big into Naruto as a high schooler. That's all my friends did. We watched that. We had the Naruto Nintendo video game. I think it was on other systems, but I remember it on Nintendo on repeat as a child. The only anime cosplay I've ever done was actually a Miyazaki uh, Totoro cosplay. I forget which one of the little girls. I was with my co-host over here as Totoro, but I want to do so much more anime cosplay that keeps going through my head that I just somehow never do and end up doing like Marvel instead. Okay, Jalen, what's your favorite? Favorite anime of all time is always going to be Dragon Ball. I grew up watching both Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z before it became known as Kai. That was uh, that follows the manga that doesn't have the filler and. <laughs> It came out on Nicktoon, so they didn't have it any did? blood. So yeah, it, it but, did. Uh, yeah, I thought of Dragon Ball Cartoon Network. Uh, I didn't know that. Well, that's when Toonami did not exist on Cartoon Network from a ah, short time. I remember those days. But I grew up on Dragon Ball on Toonami, so I also got Sailor Moon. I got um, Inuyasha. I got Bleach. I got Cowboy Bebop. I got the all the classic Gundam cartoons. And, oh, anime, I should say. Sorry, that's a sin. Yes. <laughs> and I also know a few, like, hidden gems, such as Zach Bell from the oh, oldies. yes. Yeah. That one I've never heard of. You'll have to explain that one to me. Oh, man, it's been years. And, of course, I got the classic Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. Well, yes. My latest favorite anime is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. But I do remember seeing the OVA version, the old-style, like, 90s John JoJo Part 3. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah. I guess I dropped my mic. Oh, 
So it was good. Like, obviously, Joe, the new JoJo revamp is from 2012. That's the new version. But the OVA version is like the old hand-drawn and like more grittier version of it. So like, if you ever seen like old clips of not old clips, but if you ever seen old Dragon Ball Z episodes, like 90s version, think of it like that, but rougher. And obviously, they have different voice actors. And I would say not flashing anime, but it's not as um unique as it is currently. Yeah. Now, you personally, I know, I don't think I've ever done anime cosplay except for the Totoro that I already mentioned. If you could, what would you do? If I had my old hat, I would have tried to do an old part three Joseph Joestar. I'm trying to do a Trunks, future Trunks cosplay at Comic-Con. They had a Trunks sword. If only I bought it. Why didn't you buy it at Fan Expo? Why didn't you buy it? You gave me the advice of saying, like, wait, like, until, like, you find the most opportune moment to get it. Unfortunately, it was gone Saturday night by the time. Oh, Saturday yeah, true. Night, so. True. By the time you decided what to actually buy at the con, it didn't exist anymore. <laughs> Fan Expo problems. So next time we go to Fan Expo and I find someone with a chunk sword, I'm buying that. I should go back to my buying swords phase of cons as we don't have space for arts. We buy too much fan art. No, that is that is okay. Like I do too. <laughs> so don't feel bad. All right, Jalen, where do you want to start? Yeah, that's a good question. So in looking at nostalgia anime and also the forgotten anime, I mentioned Zach Bell as one of those forgotten anime that's you know not many people are familiar with, but only if you watch Toonami or maybe you've read the manga religiously as whatever age you are. In your opinion, Kaylee, what is some of these older animes that you remember or you are more fond of that most of society is like quay Satch bell is definitely one like i i remember seeing it whenever it like came on like i would just catch like the tail end of it sometimes and then when i started college so like i graduated high school went straight into college um i joined an, an anime club to try to meet new like new friends which i know i know like anime clubs like it like in schools and on campuses get bad raps and like i understand that but ours Ours was mostly focused on like, oh, we're trying to introduce people to uh, different kinds of genre of anime. So I liked how the officers had it set up. And every so often they would have what was called Nostalgia Day, where they would like deep dive into what they called the anime vault and dig out these titles that probably nobody's heard of or even remembers and we would watch them. And Zatch Bell ended up being the number one pick on that day. And I remember seeing the, the picture on the PowerPoint, like, oh, we're gonna watch Zatch Bell today. And I kept looking at it going, isn't this that one with the kid and the book and the <laughs> little blonde kid is voiced by Jimmy Neutron? Like, I was like, isn't this that one? What? <laughs> I miss something, I miss something. In the English dub, um, Zatch Bell is voiced by the same voice actress as Jimmy Neutron. And so they put it on, they're like, I don't know, you tell us. And the minute I heard the voices, I went, yep. I was like, yep, I remember this. And now, like, uh, nobody, nobody, nobody remembers it. Like, when I got more involved in the convention scene, like, I'll walk around. And if we talk nostalgia anime, I'll bring up Zatch Bell. And people will be like, what the heck is that? <laughs> like, like, they don't remember that one. And it's kind of sad. And occasionally, um, I'll find the manga at, like, Half Price Books or, like, used bookstores, which is a real good find, but um, I kind of leave them for someone else since the manga is really hard to find and I don't want to collect it and find that like I'll be spending 
hundreds of dollars on eBay to get the rest of them. Gosh, and another another one that I personally loved and I didn't watch until high school that I don't see anybody talk about anymore is um, Fushigi Yugi or the mysterious play. Like that one came. Yeah, yeah. That's the name I know it as. I, I don't see anybody talk about that one anymore either. And uh, I think I only met like one other person and I'm still good friends with them. And we talk Fushigi Yugi, like it'll be late at night and I'll just text them like, Fushigi Yugi thoughts, I can't sleep. (laughs) And then they'll go, I know. And that's in this age of like where a lot of classic and nostalgia anime are getting rebooted. Fushigi Yugi is kind of one that we sit here, like kind of hold out for that somebody will pick it up and reboot it. And because I already know like the animation will be gorgeous um, since the manga art is gorgeous. But it's one of those where I guess like there has to be a demand for it. Because look at Trigun. Like I know Trigun is getting remade and I'm really yeah. looking forward to that. I'm so excited for the Trigun um, reboot because I love Trigun personally. I loved it in high school. Um, I would watch it with my dad. So uh, I got really excited when they were like, oh, all the uh, 90s anime fans, where are you at? Trigun's coming back. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> for me, Zatch Bell, Fushigi Yugi and occasionally Trigun um, or like some of the big three that I would bring up to people and they would look at me like you invented that like that doesn't exist and I'm like no it, it does <laughs> Jalen what would you say are your forgotten or nostalgic animes maybe you have something that I don't even know about because all my nostalgic stuff is just basic shojin, shonen stuff that most people have heard of but has died off so do you have anything interesting I mean, in terms of my nostalgic anime, I'm always going to go like ham for the OG Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z series and even GT to an extent. Yeah, I'll even go ham for GT because like obviously nowadays most clips of Dragon Ball is either Dragon Ball Z Kai, you got Dragon Ball Super, which is good, but like not many people like recognize like the the old styles of Dragon Ball or, like, the original story, like, sometimes it blows my mind, like, looking at old fights such as the first Vegeta versus Goku fight or the battles of Namek. I'm like, wait a minute. Me, like, when I first rewatched Dragon Ball Z from the beginning, I'm like, wait a minute. I thought, couldn't everyone go Super Saiyan? Wait, Krillin's not a Saiyan? He's just a regular human guy that's still awesome as hell? So it's interesting looking back at it and especially looking at all the fillers and all the, like the mini sagas in between. It's like it's 292 episodes. That's just Z in total. And there's, I think, 136 episodes of Dragon Ball that you can watch on Hulu. Wow. Most of them is apparently subbed, but I, I can do subtitles. I love the Japanese subtitles. So it's amazing, especially looking how far it was like. After GT and there was no chance of anything Dragon Ball, that was all, it reminds me of like the wilderness years of both Star Wars and Doctor Who where you had like the fans continuing it on with either parodies or you had sub mangas or you had like special episodes like the Bardock episode. And if you don't know, well, Bardock's Goku's dad, honey, that's all you got to know. Yeah, no, I think I knew that. I know the basics. I I know Dragon Ball Z. I'm not that far off. Do you have any animes that you watch that if you mention nowadays no one would know of or at least died off so the newer anime fans aren't really looking them up i mean thanks to tsunami and also boomerang astro boy oh yes 
not many people know of Astro Boy. Also, Speed Racer. I mean, Speed Racer is an anime. Is an anime in some shape or form. In some shape or form, yeah. Like I was lucky um, to grow up. Like my like my dad when I got into anime and stuff like that. He was like, you know, Astro Boy, Speed Racer. Um, so I knew what they were through him. And he would like whenever they came on, like on Boomerang, like we would watch them. Um, and he would tell me how he remembered came in home, coming home from school and watching it, and they were in black and white at oh, the wow. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have to look that up. On my end, I got into anime through like my friends in middle school and high school, and we were basic. That's why we were watching Naruto and Pokemon and stuff. We did watch a couple that have like kind of died off since then, but I'm pretty sure most people know of them. Uh, we were watching Fruit Basket, yeah. and we were watching Oran Host Club obsessively, which I think is. A little, not sad, but it was a bunch of screaming girls and not very too action or storyline driven or anything like that. But a lot of people are saying it should get a reboot, but I don't know if I agree with that one there. I get asked since, um, since people know I, I like, I like Oron and it was a running joke amongst my friends when I first watched it, they were like, Oh, Oron high school host club is the story of our life because we all like <laughs> knew people that related to the characters. Like we knew somebody yeah. that were like that. <laughs> exactly. But, like, people ask me because of the whole, like, season two joke. We, it happens every year. Every year <laughs> it's like, Oron High School Host Club is getting a season two. And then it turns out it's not true. <laughs> exactly. Um, I got asked, like, oh, how would I feel about a reboot? Because Fruits Basket got a reboot. And the reboot yeah. was fantastic. Um, and then Trigun's getting a reboot. Uh, and there's, like, a lot of shows that are getting reboots. So I got asked, how would I feel about an Oron High School Host Club reboot? And I even said, like, personally, I don't think it's going to go over very well either. Exactly. Uh, so I've kind of just told people, I'm like, if you want to know how it ends, go read the manga like I did. Because <laughs> I did when I found out there was no season two. I yeah, no same. read it. So, um, so I was like, if you want to know how it ends, just go read it. But I'm sorry. I know the... The manga car herself, though, um, I saw like an article about yeah. her where uh, she said she she would love a reboot of of the anime and she's willing to work with people on it to make sure that like it's good and that the fans are going to love it. Um, but she also knows she goes, I also know like it's old and there's not much of a demand for it anymore. Exactly. It's nostalgic for a reason. Like we were talking earlier about how like the early 2000s when we died deep into anime the ones that came across my mind were i don't know if it was because of our age range or just what was going on at that time were the two types of anime which were the shonen and what's the other one Sho shoujo shoujo yes i can never say it properly geared for the young male with mainly action fighting and nothing else or like oran geared towards the girl that was Emotion, romance, screaming in Lost Your Sailor Moon that actually gave us a combination of both, making it one of my favorite animes. Does everyone agree that that was the main animes at that time, or am I stereotyping things too harshly? Or did the universe stereotype us too harshly? That's a very deep, random question. I don't even know if I have an answer to No, because I was going to say it kind of it is, but I was watching both Shonen, Shoujo, the mixture of the two. <laughs> Because, like, I didn't know what the term anime was until I was in the eighth grade and found out, like, a lot of the shows and movies I've been watching up until then were this term called anime, not, not cartoon. <laughs> I called them that for 
13 no, years. Nothing. Yeah, I called them that for 13 years before somebody finally put me in my place and told me, no, it's different. It's called anime. <laughs> like when people ask me like, oh, like what, what anime generation do you come from? Like, I'm like, oh, I come from that generation where we had Inuyasha, Death Note, Naruto, Dragon Ball, um, and Sailor Moon. And they're like, okay, cool. So you, you had like, you had your shonen, your shoujo, and then you're, they, they just said like, and you, and your mix, like they just called it mix. Cause it's a mixture of, of both. And I would always be asked like, what would I watch more of? And I found myself watching a lot of um, anime at the time that had more shonen in it than it did shoujo. Like it would be like all the, it would be like Sailor Moon and like all the anime that had like mix shoujo and shonen. But like Inuyasha, for instance, like it was a lot more shonen, but then you still got like your, your romance and your shoujo and stuff for the girls in there. But that's like kind of what I was watching a lot of back then. So I, I think I would put myself in that category of I was watching, I was watching a, a both. I didn't watch a lot of shonen until after high school because someone finally sat me down and said, you're going to watch Naruto. <laughs> I went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had a weird obsession with it. What were you watching, Jalen? Do you feel that you were watching one or the other, that they put them in too harsh of a category? Or what's your feeling there? I mean... I was watching whatever Toonami put out with after school with a nice bowl of Cocoa Pebbles. So, <laughs> again, I watched Sailor Moon. And, again, I didn't know the term Sojo or Shonen. At that point, I was still, like, thinking we're all, every human being was immortal. <laughs> so I got the mix with it came to Sailor Moon. I will obviously say I geared more towards Shonen because, you know, action pack and everything. But you do see the, but you do have in those Shonen moments, like, those tender moments with characters and and romantic styles, like you had it in Inuyasha, you get it in JoJo from sometimes. From and, sometimes, that's mostly Shonen. Well, yeah, although, again, the love story between Jonathan Joestar and Arena is actually... Oh, come on, you gotta watch that episode, honey. That's such the most touching thing ever. You die... Oh, God, sorry. That's getting, that's getting the feels. Um, <laughs> but uh, And you also have those touching moments in Dragon Ball, like Yes, maybe. Yes, while Goku didn't failed with um, not knowing that marriage was not a food, and um, Dragon Ball Super has not helped with the case that he doesn't know what kissing is. No, a weird thing with I him. I lost it. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> Vegeta. Even Vegeta's like, you have a wife, you have two kids. How do you not know what that is? At least I get. At least I give Vegeta and Future Chunks some of those moments. I will give and Gohan. They gave and Krill. See. Mm-hmm. When on. it's not Goku, everyone else has regular human relationships, and it is very touching. So mm-hmm. again, I'm more of the shonen camp, but I also, but whenever I see a nice relationship, I'm always like, oh, I want to, I want that to happen. I love those nice tender moments. You don't <laughs> get those quite often, especially in this anime called um, Attack on Titan. Uh, yep. Yeah, no, that's shonen. See, I like the mix, and I miss it as a young middle schooler i got very into the category besides sailor moon of these are shonen these are shoujo and that's all i'm gonna watch i missed a lot of the mix so i felt very like harshly this is stereotype for boys i must be a tomboy or i've gone insane and i'm watching horny teenager girls in the other realm so that's why it stuck out so much to me what is your favorite moment from your most nostalgic anime like what was what moment said 
I'm going to ride or die with this anime, even either I die or it does, I'm still sticking to this, no matter what. Oh, man. Like, since my... Because um, I'm, I'm trying to get my old college roommates um, to watch Wolf's Rain. Because, um, like, when the pandemic hit, we we went through each other's, like, movie and anime collection. And we were just pulling stuff. And Wolf's Rain got pulled out of my uh, collection. Because they were like, you keep talking about this. You know, we're going to watch it. <laughs> and we never watched it. I moved out. And we never watched it. And whenever we talked about scenes um, from anime that were, like we would go down defending like, or like whatever, like talking about the scene to the day we die. Like we could write a 50 page essay about this scene. I couldn't talk about mine because it was like a massive spoiler um, from Wolf's Rain. For me, like my, this, like the scene that is the most nostalgic for me, like my ride or die is the ending of, of Wolf's Rain. Um, like, I don't know what it is. Like every time I watch it, I'm just, I'm a mess. <laughs> I'm crying. There's tissues everywhere. And it's just the animation is so beautiful for that final episode. And I keep having to remind myself, oh, this is from the director of some of the Cowboy Bebop episodes. Like the woman who directed this series did a lot of the episodes for Cowboy Bebop. The woman who composed the music also did Cowboy Bebop. And just a lot of the writers also worked on Cowboy Bebop. And I keep having to remind myself every time I watch it that this is probably the reason why my second favorite anime of all time is Cowboy Bebop. And it's because this was made by some of the same people, but it's just a very like open-ended ending. Like a lot of people who have talked about the ending of Wolf Strain have always said, like, they feel like it wasn't complete, but it was complete because you kind of get to decide how it ended, like what happened. But it was just that scene, the music, the animation and the way it was done just be- just beautiful and every time i watch it i tell people this is my favorite nostalgia anime scene of all time i do not Ooh. care if you guys didn't like it because <laughs> i've i've had some friends who have called and told me that they did not like wolf strain after they finished it and i'm like even after the that beautiful scene at the end and they go yeah like no didn't like it and i was like okay fine <laughs> here's my powerpoint about why you're wrong <laughs> That would be like the scene, but I won't go into much detail. No, because I, I need to go watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> I make it sound cooler, and then people are like, "You made it sound so much cooler <laughs> than it actually is." But I'm just like, I just tell people, I'm like, just I'm like, just you know, watch it like with the music. So like, you can hear the music. Like, don't talk. Like, just watch it in a quiet environment, and it's like I don't know. Like, I just find myself crying every time. See, that is the best. The animes that actually hit you with emotion because I feel like they do that more than like when you're watching a normal cartoon and they have deeper storylines and that's the things I love about them. Do you have any other questions, Shailen, before maybe we get into a conversation of anime cosplay and creation and all that? I'm always never one for questions. That's why I should never dress up as the Riddler for Halloween. <laughs> but um, you mentioned that you did research on your on animes. as an academic and a political scientist, I tend to write research papers on, not research papers, I want to write research papers on pop culture topics such as Star Wars and also, I think I did write a paper about, was it Dragon Ball or was it something else? I thought, didn't you do something on Dragon Ball? No, it wasn't Dragon Ball. You did something on an anime, but who knows? Yes, who knows? What's some of your research topics that you talk about? Like, what's some of the anime that you use for 
that you've used for research purposes? All of these were mostly just like research papers that were classroom assignments, but I kind of held on because I was like really, really proud of these. And I occasionally, whenever I talk about them to friends, they'll be like, oh, I want to read that, like send, send it to me. When I was getting my bachelor's, I took a class on modern Japanese performance. And um, the very last project was he, like my teacher wanted us to take everything that we've kind of learned about modern Japanese performance and music and try to put it towards um, a research project that we didn't talk about in class. So I went to him and I was like, hey, I want to write about this anime whose music is using the traditional Japanese instruments from Gagaku um, court music, but it's modern day notation. Can I, can I write about that? And he goes, yeah, that sounds really interesting. And the, the anime, the anime was the 2007, um, horror, like mini series called Mononoke. Yes. It used to be on Crunchyroll and then they took it down and I'm so mad. Thank God I have it on a DVD. Well, I was obsessed with that show when I took this class, I just watched it and I just fell in love with that music and I wanted to write about that. So I wrote about it and found that I didn't reach the 10 page requirement. So I went back to the professor and said, Hey, I wrote about the music. It didn't reach 10 pages. Can I write about the animation? And he goes, what does it look like? And I just pulled up like a screenshot from the show because it's all done in traditional woodblock paintings and like the, the ukiyo-e style. And he saw that and he goes, yes, like write about that. So I did, and I and I and the title of that paper was called um, "Mononoke: The Definition of Japanese Hybridity Within Pop Culture." And I wrote about the music for half of the paper, and then the animation for the other half of the paper. And then I had to do a PowerPoint to the class where I played the trailer for the show, played some of the music for them, and I had screenshots and stills from various episodes. And I got an A on that project, and I was like very proud of myself. When I was in grad school studying theater. I kind of had to take this class for credit reasons, but it was called Sports as Performance where we were studying martial arts. And I decided for my final paper uh, to write about Cowboy Bebop and the martial arts within Cowboy Bebop. And uh, <laughs> I made my teacher very happy because he's, he was a Bruce Lee historian. Like he wrote a lot about Bruce Lee. And since Spike Spiegel is, like mentions Be Like Water, which was Bruce Lee's motto and fighting style. I wrote a lot about how the martial arts within Cowboy Bebop are based on historical like martial arts movements. And then I found a video where a actual uh, martial artist stunt woman did actual moves from the Cowboy Bebop movie and proved whether or not these could be done in real life, which that's what I based my whole research paper off of. And I was really happy with that one because I was writing about one of my favorite shows. And it also made my teacher happy because I had like two full pages about Bruce Lee <laughs> in the paper. And he was like constantly sending me the, the drafts back. Like, you might want to fix this because you're, you're missing some facts in here. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> when I was writing this paper was when the pandemic hit. So the libraries were all closed. So I was happened to try to find what I could find about Bruce Lee from various other like academic articles. And that was so hard to find because not that many people 
like people who were writing about Bruce Lee was mostly writing about like, oh, his movies and stuff like that, but not about like his history, which is what I wanted to include, like how he made this martial arts style. And I couldn't find anything. So I was like, happened to contact my teacher, like, can I borrow one of your books, please? <laughs> like, because like, I can't get into the library and I, I, need, I need to borrow one of your books. <laughs> um, that's some of the stuff I, I wrote about. Like, I would just kind of think of the class that the paper would be for. And then I would just be like, okay, cool. How can I write about anime in this class? <laughs> one of my teachers had to help me with one of them though. Cause he was like, I don't know how we're going to incorporate anime into this topic. Cause we were talking about like carnival yeah. and uh, Bob Marley exactly. and um, music, from, like music from Africa. So he's like, I don't know how we're going to incorporate anime into this. And then um, he discovered um, Afro Samurai. He discovered the anime Afro Samurai uh, and sent it to me. And he goes, I don't know if you know about this one, uh, but I think it would be, make a great paper. And I was like, I actually do. <laughs> I was like, I actually do know about Afro Samurai. Uh, and that became that paper. Uh, and I got like a lot of the students in my class going home and, and watching Afro Samurai because they were like, you had us at Samuel L. Jackson being in it. <laughs> It's on my list. Yeah, one girl wanted to watch it though for the music because um, she recognized um, the artist who did a lot of the music for Afro Samurai. So she wanted to go watch it for the music, and she called me late at night. She's like, "Dude, that was so cool!" <laughs> but yeah, that's that's some of the research that I that I've done, and I've always I'm always trying to find new things to write about for fun, even though I'm no longer in school. But just some fun like little research projects that like I want to write about and hopefully send off to be published. Cause I know there's a lot of pop culture magazines. Yes, definitely. As a grad student yourself who wants to write about pop culture, Jalen, what's your perspective and what's your take on everything we were just told? If there's a way to make it published, do it. Cause academia, of course, they are very, very particular. Like I like that originally I wanted to talk about the process of democratic backsliding in the United States using the Galactic Empire and the Galactic Republic from Star Wars as an example. And while that killed it with a professor from UMass Amherst, when I got to Temple, they're like one of my professors who actually taught teaches like international relations and international groups through like say, yeah, the Galactic Federation. No, that's Rick and Morty. The <laughs> Federation from Star Trek. You can do that, but you gotta pen that when you have tenure and when you're fully committed because obviously with the job talks they're not gonna they're not interested in that so hearing anime being taken to this perspective is really really impressive i mean i'm swimming with ideas in my head about how else can you incorporate different animes into like say a, a political perspective like that's impressive so hats off to you thank you <laughs> now i would like to move on to the category of cosplay as you say you are a cosplayer me and jalen here have both delved into it more in a styling some paint some spray paint sort of scenario but how did you get into cosplay yourself i was in junior high and um me and like one of my friends we would always be like on youtube looking up like kingdom hearts videos because we were obsessed with kingdom hearts back then and we found this uh, group on youtube that would dress up as like sora and roxas and they would like go to disneyland and they would like do these like hilarious skits and we were like what in the world is this like we were kind of caught <laughs> off guard and then that's when we found like all of these videos of cosplay skits 
at conventions. And this was like 2008, 2009. And that's when we were like, what the heck is cosplay? And we didn't quite get what it was. And I just looked at it as like the, like, cause I was a very shy kid. I was also bullied as a kid. So when I saw all these cosplayers that I was seeing in like these YouTube videos and in these skits could express their love for a particular like fan base and fandom and piece of media and they be welcomed in this space, I was like, I want to go there. Like, I want to do that. But I was still a very shy kid. I was like very worried that I was going to like put a costume on and be bullied because I didn't look like the character and like all that jazz, like the usual stuff. So um, my mom actually helped me with my first cosplay. It was uh, 2012. It was 2012. And um, I went to her and I was like, Mom, I want to try this like cosplay thing. Um, It's like a hobby. We dress up as um, like characters from movies and TV shows and anime and stuff. And she's like, okay, cool. Like, like, where do I come in? I was like, I need help finding a blue hoodie. And I did Jack Frost from the rise of the guardians that was my very first yeah. cosplay it was 2012 it's been 10 years now but i was still kind of shy with going to conventions so i didn't attend a convention until 2013 i had really bad social anxiety so i had to have a friend go with me so i didn't I break you. down and freak out but ja- the jack frost cosplay like was like my very first cosplay and it all went downhill from there and i basically like sit at my computer and and just kind of go so what do I want to try to cosplay this year like how many how many characters can I do this year (laughs) (laughs) like how many can I throw together but that that's how that's how I got started and and cosplay I will say has been a huge help with my social anxiety like I like I go out to conventions a lot more now, like I'm a lot more outgoing. Um, so it's been a huge help, which is why when people ask me, why did I start? I said something in my mind just kind of clicked and told me, hey, like, we should keep doing this. Like, it's fun. It's helping us. We're making new friends. We're putting ourselves out there a little bit more. And we're learning how to engage in social situations a little bit better than what I was doing, which was theater like high school theater so I I kept at it and after attending I want to say like five or six conventions like I kind of noticed I didn't have like the shakes or the tremors the not the nausea feeling that I used to get a lot anymore so I'm like cosplay uh has been a huge help with that and I'm and which is why when people ask me am I gonna stop I'm like nah (laughs) (laughs) I was like I was like I will never stop I feel you 100% completely. I think I may have started going to conventions in around a very similar time. I think I was like 15. So that was 2011 when I started going. I was doing Doctor Who at that point. I took my best friend who was extremely outgoing. I dragged my sisters and my mom because we all designed the cosplays. She got into it and started helping me the exact same way. I followed my friend around because of the social anxiety. And the same exact thing happened to me literally to a T. I was doing high school theater and it just felt like a community where you can easily get along with everyone and you can find these people who like your cosplay and then they like the show you like and you can just keep growing and so on and so forth. How about you, Jalen? Okay, I was aware of Comic-Con's existence. I didn't do cosplay or go to cons until college. Like, nerdism was not big at my school, I, I mean, at my high school, like, ironically, when it comes to, like, 
people of color and African Americans, like we actually do know our anime because at times you have people like arguing, like who's actually the better fighter, Goku or Vegito? How much powerful is Naruto compared to Sasuke? Or like who has the better storyline? And of course, if you guys is like you know who gets the most girls, apparently. <laughs> For me, like would try to like make a Jedi robe of some sorts using scars and everything. And that's how I first started. I went to Comic-Con for the first time in 2017. Uh, yeah, summer of 2017 with Taylor and a few of our friends. And I was trying to cosplay the 12th Doctor. Didn't go well because uh, one, I didn't have my hair dyed. Two, I didn't have the right coat. And three... Compared to a dressed-up river at Amy Pond, I got designated as the coat rack, or not the coat <laughs> rack, the bad, the bag handler. Aww. I didn't get paid. I didn't get paid for that. That's the saddest thing. Oh. You hold people's bags and you didn't get paid for it. Esteban mm. from Sweet Life of Zack and Cody made it <laughs> killing from that. <laughs> Don't you want to do a drag a Dragon Ball Z cosplay now? Because you have a sword. Well. I have a katana. I don't have the exact sort of tr- uh, future trunks that cuts through Frieza like it's butter and it's Frieza, like Mecha Frieza, like the guy that can kill everyone with one index finger, Frieza. I already have the jean jacket. I just need the right sword. I think I have the proper pants, but like it's it's a process. No, I, I completely understand. Like I don't cosplay anybody currently right now, like from Dragon Ball. But uh, when I watched Super for the first time and I saw Lord Beerus, like I turned to my roommates and I went, I want to cosplay that. And they both kind of looked at me and they were like, how? Like, how are we going to do this? And I'm like, don't worry, like, I got this. But then I kind of realized I don't got this because I'm still new to like making your cosplays from scratch. Um, So I knew when I saw Lord Beerus, I went, okay, I'm going to have to make most of that, like 100%. I actually found the pants on Amazon, like a pair of pants that could work. And I went, all right, cool. I could just buy the pants. I already had a purple wig that a, um, a relative got me and said, we don't know what you can use this for. I've had it for a very long time. So when I decide on Lord Beerus, I went, I already got a purple wig. I just got to style it. <laughs> um, and then my roommate's bought a pair of um lord beerus ears that they found on etsy that someone made (laughs) and um, it matched the wig like perfectly and they're like now we just got everything else that you have to work on so um i procrastinated on him for far too long like i bought the the fabric and i was gonna make the pattern from scratch because i kind of looked at what he wore and i was like okay that's super easy i can do that and then when i would draw it i i was like i don't got this (laughs) my roommate got into sewing recently and she was like, you know, do you need help? And I was like, I, I think I'm going to need help with this <laughs> like 100%. So uh, next time I go visit her, I was going to like take my sewing machine. Cause we were also going to use her sewing machine for double yeah. sewing power. And we were going to try to work on this and get it done. Cause she's like, he's been, she goes, no offense. The fabric for him has been sitting on your shelf for like a year now. Like, <laughs> you, need to, you need to work on him. And I'm trying to talk one of my friends into being um, Weiss, because why not? <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> Luckily, they're among the few characters in Dragon Ball that doesn't go through a constant costume change or anything like that. So take it while you can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so true. 
So on that note of like you creating a new cosplay, after doing your first cosplay and as you slowly learned, how did you start to learn what to make and what to buy and to make this stuff? And what became like your cosplay process for picking out new characters and then designing everything from there? Sure thing. Uh, Because like after I did Jack Frost, I did Pitch Black from the same movie. My friend who went with me to my first convention was doing Jack Frost and she wanted me to be the villain but I looked like I was from the matrix because um I couldn't get I couldn't get like body paint like the gray body paint because this was during the time of like homestuck cosplayers so everywhere I went to get gray body paint that was safe and like non-toxic and stuff because I was doing my research on body paint it was always sold out so I I ended (laughs) up going to this convention I went to this convention and someone thought I, I was from the matrix because pitch black is like this black cloak and I had um, like a black shirt and leggings underneath it and black boots. And they were just like, yeah, you're from the matrix. Okay. (laughs) But like right after that, I did um, toothless and then I did Levi Ackerman from attack on Titan. That was Levi was my very first anime cosplay. And when it came to Levi, Mm -hmm. because at the time, like attack on Titan was like really, really big. And since I was, like still new to cosplay and I didn't know how to use a sewing machine at the time I looked at Levi and I went this looks complicated but I think I can just thrift shop it I said I'm sure I can find some of these pieces like at a thrift store but luckily I actually found the jacket and a pair of harnesses at a convention that I went to with my cousin I bought them because they were, it was like a good deal. The person was like, if you buy the jacket, um, if you want the harnesses, I got it for like $40. And yeah, the harnesses were not leather. They were elastic, but it, it was still a pair of harnesses. And then I went thrift shopping with my grandmother for the rest of the pieces. And I found like a pair of like white pants and a white button up. And then I had a pair of like brown riding boots already. And I put that together with a black wig that I ordered from Amazon. And uh, I was like, I'm Levi Ackerman. (laughs) For me, like I, like I pick characters based on like, you know, are they like my favorite character from, from a particular media or I look at them and I just think like their outfit is so cool and I want to wear it. And then sometimes like I get with friends and we want to like do groups or duo cosplays and we pick who we want to be. And like that gets added to my long list of costumes but sometimes I'll sit there and look at an outfit and go okay what do I already have from previous costumes that I can just recycle what do I have to probably search through Amazon or thrift stores in order to find and what's going to have to be handmade and I try to print like a picture like a full body picture of the character out and just kind of mark like okay this we already have this this has to be made we have to try to buy this. And I try to keep it all under a, like under a budget since when I really got into cosplay, I was about to start college. So I was having to pay rent and like, tell me about it. Loans, tech talk, like textbooks, all of that. So I was trying to keep a lot of my cosplay, like under a budget. And sometimes I would get lucky and find a cosplay store that had the full outfit for a decent price. And it would be a high quality, like really well-made costume. But 
I'm more proud of like the the costumes that I have where I threw pieces together. One of the cosplays I'm the most proud of is my Ignis from Final Fantasy 15. The story with Ignis was um, I bought the wig. I already had the wig, but I was like, I'm not going to work on him until we get to winter break. And then a friend of mine called me and was like, you're going to pack South, right? And I said, yeah, we need an Ignis for our Final Fantasy 15 group. And you're like the only person I know who's working on a cosplay of him right now. Do you think you can get him done by PAX? This was a week before PAX. I said, challenge accepted. Let's go. So I immediately went into my closet because I was like, I know I have a black suit because of job interviews and career fair and all of that because of school. So I had black pants. I had a nice pair of black shoes and I had a black coat. Now all I'm missing is his leopard print shirt. I went to a thrift store and found a purple button up and I looked at it and said, it's going to have to work. And I feel like I pulled two all nighters trying to get this done. I sat at my dining room table with a Jaguar spot stencil. I made myself from a print And I was painting those spots onto this shirt in fabric paint. And I was bedazzling the collar. I was trying to make it look exactly like his shirt from the game. And in the end, I couldn't finish the back. But I said, you know, the coat's going to cover it anyways. Like, we're fine. And I couldn't find the gloves. And a friend of mine was styling the wig for me when I told her, like, dude, we got like a week to get this together. And she goes, say no more. I'll, I'll handle the wig. You handle the costume. And I showed up to PAX with this costume. I had to throw it together in a week. And I was so proud of it. I was like just standing there like so proud. Like whenever I get asked about it, they're like, oh, you know, did you buy like fabric that came like that? And I go, no, I actually painted them with a stencil. And they kind of give me this goofy look like you did what? Listen, I bought the shirt at the thrift store. I made my own stencil. And I painted the spots using the stencil. Listen, I had to get this done in a week, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of people were shocked by that. And it's one of the outfits I'm the most proud of. I've sadly retired the shirt um, since then, and I'm getting a new one for it. But uh, I kept it because I I can't part with it. I kind of look at it and go, I I don't want to sell that. So my mom and I are working on trying to find a way to preserve it and keep it. And we were going to like put some photos with it, make it look cool because I'm so proud of it. I don't want to get rid of it. But that was like a case where I had to throw out all the stops. It's like, you know, we're just going to have to wean it. We're just going to have to wean it, make it look good. And it ended up looking amazing. So, (laughs) but yeah, that's, that's kind of like my my process. Um, mostly these days, I just kind of discuss with friends, like, what do we want to do? Like, we, we got a convention coming up. Like, what do we want to do? Does anybody have a preference? Make it to where it's easy, please. <laughs> I know one of my friends and I, though, we, we, we want to do Hal and Sophie together from Hal's Moving Castle. But I would love to do that. <laughs> I'm very, I have a Miyazaki thing. I've been wanting to do like cosplay from like everything yeah and and she's still new and she's still new to cosplay so I try to help her every chance I get right now we're trying to find like a silver wig for Sophie right now but that's my process Kaylin do you got a question of any sort if you had all the money in the world all the free time or just for the sake of anime you had all seven dragon balls put in front of you and you could wish for the ultimate cosplay of your imagination what would it be? Ooh, okay. This is going to sound okay. So when I watched Naruto 
I wasn't a big fan of Orochimaru. And then one of my friends talked me into doing a legendary sawning group. And the only one not claimed was Orochimaru. And what I originally, I have the costume and the wig. I just need the makeup. But um, mm-hmm. my original thought for Orochimaru was I wanted to be in his, like the sound ninja outfit, like what he normally wears. But I yeah. wanted to have this giant snake puppet that was going to be his summon. And I wanted to have like, have it to where like my hand was the head and it could move and it was like wrapped around me. But because I didn't do tech theater and like a lot of stuff where I would have learned how to make puppets, mm-hmm. it's kind of a dream, but that's probably what I would wish for. Cause every time I think of doing a Rochimaru, like all I think of is, oh, I want, I wanted, I want to build that giant snake puppet. Darn it. <laughs> Build that giant snake <laughs> puppet. Because I was like, if I'm going to do this character, I want to go out with a bane. <laughs> I was like, yes. if I'm going to do this guy that I never liked when I watched Naruto, <laughs> I, I want to go out. Do it. I want to go out with a bane. Yes, so I, I was like, that. I want, I want this giant snake puppet. And I've talked to cosplayers who I've met at conventions that I yeah. see that have like puppets that they made, and I just kind of go up and talk to them, like you know, what was the creation process like what you use and I just kind of tell them like why I'm asking because I tell them about the, the dream Orochimaru giant snake puppet cosplay and even they think it's cool and they and they tell me like all everything that they used and I'm like that's a lot of foam that's a yeah, lot of yeah I was imagining like one person who I talked to um she had like mechanics in hers that had like the eyes blinking and uh, everything and I was like I just want to put my hand and move its mouth and its head <laughs> like, I was like the eyes don't have to blink but that's what I would hope to <laughs> hope to create because I think it would look cool I was told I could just make a giant stuffed snake plush like yeah it would be the same thing I'm like yeah I was like I could do that too <laughs> yeah that'd be the easier version if you just wanted to be able to get it done true technically <laughs> Yeah, well, looks like I get asked sometimes. They're like, "You, you just wanted to like wrap around you, right? So it's easy to carry, right?" And I go, "How big is his actual snake summon?" And they go, "To wrap around you, right?" No, nah, I want it to be like pretty big. <laughs> and they go, "How are you going to carry that?" I'm like, "I don't know. I'll figure it out." <laughs> I I just thought of it, but now when I kind of think of it, I'm like, "Yeah, no, we're going to keep it little." And I wanted to have like like the bendy wire like I I know I bought some for um, Lord Beerus for his tail but I was gonna like have some of those in the body to make it easier to wrap around and like give it cool shape and stuff but that's the dream (laughs) your wish shall be granted (laughs) we wish (laughs) speaking of big snake puppets because you were talking about making like a puppet and more of a prop type thing how much have you dove into the prop category the weapons category or is that something you shied away from oh no when it when it comes to props like i think long and hard about about some props sometimes like i'll get lucky with some props and be able to get them from like spirit of halloween like i know when i did um, american mcgee's alice like her vocal blade was just a uh, a blade i found at um spirit of halloween when they were having their big clearance sale uh, and it looked just like the vocal blade and I bought it and kind of fixed it a little bit. But when it comes to some props where I look at it and go, yeah, we're going to have to make that. I kind of talk to other 
people who have dealt in props and just kind of explain, this is what I want to go for. What would probably be like the best materials to use just so I can kind of know what to look into. When I did Aladdin from Moggy, the Labyrinth of Magic, my stepdad and I built his bird staff. When we first looked at the staff, he goes, okay, it has to be very sturdy because it doesn't bend. Like I was even showing him clips from the show of when Aladdin casts magic with it. Yeah. And he goes, okay, let's try. Like he goes, we're going to pull out all the stops on this. So I took cardboard and I drew the, the top part of the staff on cardboard. And then we went out and looked at like PVC pipe and other things that we could use for the main part of the staff. And we ended up going with PVC because it was sturdy. I was getting that height and the thickness of the, of the staff that I wanted. So we went with PVC and then we glued all the cardboard and the PVC together. And I even had on the cardboard drawing, like where the um, indentions were to, for the, like the bird's beak and its wings and the spiral that goes around the, the base of the, um, of the staff. So we taped all of that together and we used expanding foam because I was mm -hmm. asking, how are we going to get that shape? Cause I said, I want it to be kind of three-dimensional. And he goes, let's try expanding foam. And if it doesn't work, we'll just chisel it all off and try again. So we did expanding foam on the top part and then created the spiral at the base of the bird where the bird and the staff meet and then used razor blades to carve it. So I was learning a lot about prop building, like, or what I can use for prop building through the people around me, um, my stepdad, and even from um, the building manager for my department for my major at my school, he would host um, foam workshops and stuff. And I would go to them. I even made uh, like when I, at, when I went to his um, workshop, I made Jafar from the same show. I made his weapon, like the blades out of foam. I just yeah. need the, the ribbon for it. I'm pretty good when it comes to props and I'm good at finding things that I can recycle into props. Cause also for Aladdin, I took my old elementary school recorder that I kept for some reason. And I took, paper clay and made the um, the Solomon crest and carved it with toothpicks and spray painted it gold. And uh, it looked awesome. So so I'm pretty good with when it comes to the props, because I can easily just find things that I can recycle into a prop, or I can look at something and go, okay, let's try this with these materials. If it doesn't work, then we'll move on to these set of materials until we get what we're kind of looking for. Sometimes I get asked though, like, oh, would you ever go into like 3D printing? I'm terrible with when it comes to like 3D printing. One of my classes, they tried to teach us how to use a 3D printer when I accidentally signed up for a, a tech theater class. <laughs> and I was awful with the program. I tried to 3D print a chess piece. It, it came out looking like a vase. So I just kind of go, no, I try to stay away from like, I know 3D printing is cool. And everything, like I have friends who do 3D printing and all this yeah. stuff is awesome. But me, no, uh, I'm not very tech savvy with the 3D printer. So I'm like, no, I, I'm, I'm doing mine out of cardboard and PVC and I'm happy. Everyone says 3D printing nowadays. That's all I hear about. I've always stuck to simple props from when I did theater and I did props, cardboard, paint. Because I know one of the things I want to build for Lord Beerus for like for photos and if I want to enter him in a contest is I want to build the little ball of energy that he that he creates to destroy the universes. One of my friends introduced me to what was called like fairy lights because she used some in her League of Legends cosplay. 
I was like, oh, I can use those and just put them in like a little plastic ornament ball or something and make it to where there's a way it will like sit in my hand, but look like it's levitating in my hand, make it look cool. Um, So that's something I'm kind of testing out right now with one of my roommates. We're kind of testing some stuff out to try to figure out how we would get this to work with looking at tutorial videos and what we can find at like our local Joann's and Hobby Lobby and stuff. But that's something that I like, I think would look cool. And that's like my next prop build, hopefully. One or two final questions before we run out of time. You mentioned contests. Have you ever done any yet? Or or do you dream of doing specific contests or have you gotten involved in all that yet? Um, I, I, I've done some. Um, one of the conventions I go to, their contest is kind of set up to where like, even if you didn't make your costume, they still let you walk because they used to have um, performance awards. So if you go up there and put on a, a good walk on, um, you you would be considered um, for an award. So I did those for a time. Aladdin was actually my first craftsmanship contest entry. The judges were really impressed when I mentioned like, oh, this is my first build. And they were like, oh, that's like really cool. I didn't get anything for it, but that didn't matter to me. Um, I do the contests mostly for fun because I think they're so much fun to do. And you get to go up there and be your favorite character in front of all the other attendees at the convention. And I see if like, oh, getting an award is like an added bonus. But to me, I've already won from like the applause that I get just from walking across the stage and making someone's day. Cause my motto with my cosplays is if I make somebody's day just a little bit better, like with a smile, because I was their favorite character. That's all that matters to me. I did my first skit contest though. Recently I did L from, from death note. And I actually sang live. I originally was supposed to lip sync, but it didn't work out that way. Um, a song from the death note musical. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. And I, I had a, I had a case file I made myself that was all light Yagami and nobody saw it until like I was up on the stage because I had my laptop there because I had like yeah. the beat beat from Watari and everything. Um, and I had the case file sitting on the keyboard so nobody saw it. And then when I got to this one part of the song, I go, so light Yagami, shall we begin? And I hold up the case file. <laughs> yeah. Those like some of the judges were like, we had no idea like where the paper came from. And I'm like, oh, it's on my keyboard. <laughs> Like I got scared when I walked up there though and like opened my laptop because it wasn't on the keyboard. It attached itself to the screen and I like panicked because I was like, (laughs) where's the paper? That was my first like a skit contest entry um, because I've always wanted to do skit. Never really got around to doing them. So (laughs) I miss watching skits so much. The first con I used to go to was called Kineticon because I grew up in Connecticut. Their cosplay contest was huge on skits and video edits. And it was, I forget what they called it, but it was this huge performance thing. And not many of the fan expos we go to anymore have anything but a costume contest. And I miss those so much. So I get what you're saying. Jalen, any final questions here? Sometimes I see fans do this with their cosplays. Like, have you done a battle with like your opposing rival or like from a rival anime or your nemesis anime? Yes, I have. First time I did L at a convention, uh, my friend was light and we signed up for cosplay chess and ended up on separate sides of the board and they checkmated me. They were the king for their side. And I was, um, I think the jester for my side was like in one part and the person was like 
light yagami move to here and checkmate and my friend had had the death note prop and killed me (laughs) no they thought like this was like the coolest thing ever and now whenever i play cosplay chess nothing tops that moment because we literally reenacted the death note anime in front of all these people and i think that was on purpose because when we both signed up like the people who would be hosting cosplay chess were looking at us like okay we gotta figure out how we can get these two on separate sides of the board yes yes it ended up working and it was awesome so yeah i've I've had that happen but only with light and l i haven't had uh, the opportunity to have any other like rivals i will say when i was toothless how me and one of my friends met and it's kind of funny he was not so from fairy tale and he kept coming up and saying i'm gonna slay you and i didn't know fairy tales i was so confused i was like excuse me (laughs) that was only my third con so i had no idea why this guy (laughs) And we've been best friends ever since. I love when stuff like that happens. Well, we've learned quite a lot about nostalgic anime and anime long forgotten, but from days past. They may be gone, but they haven't been forgotten. Keep loving your anime no matter what it is, whether it's Zach Bell, whether it's the old style Dragon Ball or Astro Boy. Anime of all ages is here to stay, no matter how popular they are. As long as you love it and it gives you value, it truly is a treasure. Very hard to find these days. And we'd like to thank Kaylee for coming onto our podcast and telling us the world of anime. How it impacted her life. Our cosplay gave her a new perspective on life and brought her out of her shell, as I believe cosplay does for most of us. And that is why I hold it dear to my heart. So I hope everyone enjoyed the episode, as he said. And I hope everyone starts going to conventions, starts maybe looking at some of these old animes, and just gets out there into the world and has a blast. So, good night, everybody. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Remember, live your life like a Kamehameha. 